Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Oregon State traveling to Berkeley on Saturday. That's tomorrow. Man, this week went really fast. Uh, Justin Wilcox, Cal coach here to talk about the game. Do you have weeks like that where you look up and go, oh man, it's Friday already? Or is everything so regimented that you truly know what day it is if I ask you at any given moment? Yeah, we're kind of in a routine from August until, you know, February. So uh, the days are, are long, uh, but the weeks go by quickly. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how it feels. That's like raising kids. People say that about kids. Long, <laughs> long days, quick years. Um yeah. Before we get into too deep into the football, um, you know, I want to just ask you about growing up in the state of Oregon, playing against Jonathan Smith in 1998. You're going to see him on the other side of the field. I think it's one of the coolest uh, matchups for that reason. Yeah, uh, man, love growing up up there. I'm a Junction City native, and uh, man, it's awesome and uh, fond fond memories of being from there, growing up there. I went to a lot of games as a as a kid. Um, and saw, you know, some great players in the in the Pac-10 at that time, and uh, just enjoyed every minute of it. And had a chance to go play at, at Oregon, made uh, just lifelong friends. It was it was awesome. And uh, my family, a uh, bunch of them, still live up there, and uh, enjoy getting back and seeing them. But uh, playing against Jonathan, we played against each other for a couple years, and once up there, and I think it's a double or double overtime, triple, something like that. And then we played him, my, my senior, we played him at home and split with him, I think. And he's a re- really good coach. I've known him a long time and a ton of respect for him and the, the entire staff there. So it's, uh, you know what you're going to get when you play those guys, and uh, it'll be a battle. Did you have any sense when you were playing? Because I know you had your dad, and there's a lot of family history that, you know, you guys had been around football. But did you have a sense that you would be a coach one day? And, you know, because I, I don't know, I think Jonathan probably knew it because – he was that kind of kid as a quarterback. Yeah, you know, uh, not necessarily. Uh, I went through college and was kind of playing and going to school and doing that whole thing. As I approached maybe late in my career, my last year, I would say, is when I thought about it, and probably because of the people I had been around. Um, you know, Bob Gregory being one, Bob Foster. Uh, Coach Aliotti and uh, Coach Pete was on the staff there. And those guys, when I saw how they coached and how they worked with the players and the energy they brought, I thought, oh, that looks enjoyable. Because there were some other folks along the way that I don't know that I would have really inspired me to, to coach. My high school coaches certainly did. Um, but I think it was my late in my career I kind of thought, well, maybe I'll give this a whirl. And, and uh, I talked to a few people about it and – Ended up getting hooked up with Coach Hawk over at uh, Boise State yeah. to, to get going. It's so interesting to see all the, you know, he's at UC Davis now, and Aliotti listens to this show. He's picking up, he's headed to the golf course, headed back. He tunes into the show, and I will often get a text message from him during the show with his game prediction or, or whatnot. What was Aliotti like to play for? Oh, he was intense. Uh, so he came in my senior year. He was the D coordinator, and uh, Coach Gregory, Bob Gregory, was the secondary coach. And so, uh, yeah, they're they're great. I mean, Coach Aliotti was intense. I just remember every Thursday, like he would be the most stressed out that he would be the entire week, 
And us as players, like we had, you know, we'd prepare all week, and Thursday was like, okay, that was our day to tune up everything. We're feeling good about the game plan, and we'd go to practice, and he'd be all stressed out about this route or that route. It's like, oh, man, I was confident until he just (laughs) told me how worried he was about this route. So now I'm like, I guess I'm going to worry about it. But I used to give him a hard time about that. But, no, he was awesome. He had great energy, and we loved playing for him. He would come into the postgame news conference after a big win, angrier than anybody that I've ever seen after a big win. He was always nitpicking something. You know, if it was a close win, he was in a great mood. But, like, a big blowout win, not good enough. The backups were sloppy. You know, always something to work on to kind of readjust the focus. And I kind of wondered, you know, even, even at his age, have you ever tried to get him to come consult with you or be one of those guys who comes in during fall camp and works with your guys? He would all, well, for a number of years, he would come down because his family's from down here, and he'd stop by practice and hang out for the day. Oh, for sure, yeah. But it was more kind of just, uh, you know, he. And here's Coach Aliotti, because I know exactly what you're saying. After with him during the season, like he was, you know, into it. You couldn't ever get a hold of him. He'd never call anybody back because he was so focused. And, you know, coaching defense, you don't get to punt. He would tell you that. So, like, every game, even <laughs> you could play great, but – the three plays you didn't, you know, don't feel good. But these days, now he's got time on his hands, and if if I don't call him or text him right back, he starts giving me a guilt trip. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, woe is me. You don't call me back. And it's like, right. well, hold on a second. You know, for 25 <laughs> or 30 years, you never called anybody for four months, and now I don't call you back in 20 minutes, and, you, you know, he gives me the sob story. So, anyway, I mean, he'll probably be texting you about that. Yeah, no, but, he's probably listening right now. I'll get a text Yeah, no, <laughs> but I love him, and I, I, I try to get back to him as fast as I can because he's, he's the best. Uh, we're talking to Justin Wilcox, Cal football coach. They'll play Oregon State tomorrow. You guys have been really good defensively, uh, you know, outside of maybe the Washington game. Uh, really good defensively, and you know, I know personnel has something to do with that. But give me an idea of do you do you feel sound on defense this season? Do you feel like you're getting transfer from practice to games by and large? Uh, yeah, not quite. To be honest with you, um, we've kind of we've been. Real kind of hit and miss, Jekyll and Hyde on defense uh, throughout the year. Uh, obviously, the game at Washington, we played terrible everywhere uh, and got our ass kicked. But uh, we bounced back and had some good moments last week on defense, and then we had three plays that I gave up 120 yards and 10 points. And if we hadn't have done that, then, shoot, we're going to play really pretty good. Same thing in the Auburn game, you know, we played pretty good, but had a couple plays that really hurt us. So we just need to be – you know, do routine things and not make uh, easy things hard. And if we do that, then I think we'll have a, a shot to play pretty good. Yeah, I picked you to beat Auburn. I was I was so mad that game. I'm not as mad as you were probably after the game, but I was like that 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 was a game you guys should have had. That was one you that you know you probably look back at the end of the season can't afford to look now. Uh, offensively, uh, better in the past game. I, I I see improvement. What do you see? Yeah, I think we just got to be uh, we got to create some more explosives, and we we got to be. Uh, improved in the past game more consistently. Uh, the run game has been pretty good. We're going to have a different kind of test uh, against the Beavs. We know that they're excellent run defense. They're really physical, and then we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, make it count when we throw the ball. Um, you know, so we'll find out kind of where we are. Yeah, we got to be balanced and we got to be efficient, like everybody says. But it's true. Uh, so if we can do that and protect it, then we'll have a chance to play good. And we're going to have to play good to, to beat the Beavs, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a game. I watched their game on Friday against Utah really close. I was down near the sideline for most of the game, and 
it was very physical. And, you know, those two teams were just it's like a, it was like a quarry, and they were moving boulders around the stadium. What, when you look at the film of that game, what did you see at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, like that physicality. They're big and physical up front. I think their O-line is so dang good. Um, they're veteran. They know how to play. They're good players. Um, then, obviously, the way their offense operates, running the ball with two great backs. you got DJ doing his thing. they got speed. Um, so they do a really good job with that. And then defensively, really aggressive. You know, they got their big up front. Their front seven's very active. They get negative plays, uh, and they will contest everything in the back end. You know, they're not going to – they're going to get up and – and challenge your receivers, and then you gotta you gotta win some one on ones, and uh, so it'll be a great test for for all of our guys, both sides of the ball, and uh, it, like I said before, it, it'll be a battle. That story about Oregon State shutting off the music during practice to, to simulate how quiet it'll be or flat it might be in the stadium. Did your guys take that personally? Oh, I don't know. We don't really uh, get too involved with all that stuff. What we need to take. Uh, personally, is our play, and uh, so going out and playing really good football—that's what we're concerned with. Yeah, and I think you often will see NBA players, some coaches, that will always look for bulletin board material. You're not that guy. Yeah, I, I kind of feel you know if it if it helps somebody get ready uh, and gives them added motivation, you know, more power to them. I just I've always felt felt like uh, intrinsic motivation. Uh, you know, it, that's probably more important to long-term success than always looking for some extrinsic. Because at some point, there might not be any bulletin board material, mm-hmm. or somebody might not say something to challenge you. Uh, so it's got to come from inside, and you have to want to be good because you want it, and it's important to you, and not because somebody said you can't do something. So if it helps them, great. But again, I don't know that it's hard. Uh, I don't know that it's sustainable uh, to be successful at anything if you're always you know, counting on some ex- extrinsic motivator. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Justin Wilcox with us, Cal Coach. Uh, the the Pac-12 from the 20,000-foot view, you have six ranked teams, uh, a lot of good football being played, a lot of eyeballs on this conference. It's killing me that this is the last year of the conference, and I know you can't afford to think about that stuff because you're coaching week to week, but as a kid who, you know, your dad played in this conference, you, your brother, you, this, the, the, the what has happened to the Pac-12 in the back of your mind, are you savoring at all this last season, or can you afford to do that? Um, I think, you know, <laughs> you're literally every, each and every week is such a battle, and you mentioned how good the conference is this year. I don't know. It's hard to compare years, but this is as good as it's been in a long, long, long time in terms of the talent from top to bottom and the quality of the teams. Um, I don't know about savoring it. It's obviously uh, – I mean, the whole thing is, is – uh, really disappointing, and it uh, should not have happened. It's kind of shameful, and, you know, one of these days we could talk about that and go into depth on, you know, why or, you know, what are the reasons for that because there are reasons. But uh, right now, as you mentioned, like we're so focused on football, that's all I can be focused on because the team deserves uh, my and our full attention. Did the conversations with recruits change as, you you know, you're, you've got a conference to go to. You're not in a position like Oregon State and Washington State right now, but, has that conversation changed at all, or are you still recruiting a kid that fits Cal academically and fits your program culturally? Uh, I would say a little bit, um, but it certainly, you know, it certainly helped um, being able to uh, get into the ACC was big, and those the the recruiting conversations that were 
everybody was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen there for a little while. You know, coaches, players, administrators, everybody, and obviously recruits, so you can't blame them. But um, I would say there's been a small change, but uh, certainly still looking for people that, you know, are going to fit in here, they qualify here, and all, all those things. That hasn't changed. When you are game planning for Oregon State, from a defensive standpoint, my mind wants to go to, you know, you stop the run first, but they're a little different with DJ at quarterback this year. And so what do you see on film, you know, and you, are you a guy who tries to take away the opponent's strength, or how do you approach that philosophically? Yeah, I think you do, but there's got to be um, kind of a balance and. You know, if you're going to say, well, we're going to take away the run, and that means you're going to just, you know, zero blitz them every down. I don't know that you're. that'd be real smart for us to do that. You know, some, but maybe not all the time. So I think there's some some give and take. And, you know, finding ways to – you got to find ways to get them behind the chains. They're so good at staying on schedule and uh, not getting themselves in a bad situation. So how do you, how do you get them behind the chains? And then you mentioned it, DJ um, – He's a big guy. He can throw the ball and he can run the ball. I don't know. You know, people probably don't give him enough credit for what he's doing running the ball on some critical downs to get him first downs or get him into the end zone. I thought early in their game they ran him on what looked like a little delay or a little trap up the middle, and he kind of cut back against the grain. And I, I thought that was a really nice way to, you know, to keep the defense honest or give them one more thing to think about. That play on film, you probably broke that down and looked at it. What were they trying to do there? Yeah, um, it, yeah. Design quarterback runs, and it is uh, it's a it's a great scheme because now you're eleven on eleven. I mean, anytime the quarterback's a threat to the, run the ball, you know, it changes how you have to fit things because you you're not plus one in the run game anymore. And so um, doing that, uh, obviously, they, they make you account for him. And you've also got to do some things up front where guys have to get off a block. You have to win a one on one. You know, at the first or second level, and and make a tackle because you're not always going to have two on ones everywhere in the run game, in coverage, and I think when it boils down to it, this game is won uh, in football. The great teams win one on one battles more often than not, and so that's the challenge they present when they when they run the guy like that. I, you know, we talked in July uh, about the passing of your dad. Your dad passed away in April. Oregon grad, uh, NFL player, Pro Bowler. All pro, seven Pro Bowls, Hall of Fame. What was it like for you to have a dad who is on the caliber of Pro Football Hall of Fame? And you know, did you wear the gold jacket? Like, does, did he have that hanging around the house? You know. Uh, yeah. Um, those are things that he did, and um, like that's his resume as a football player, and it's, it's such an impressive resume. But I guess for me, you know, I, I was proud of him and I wanted him to enjoy the uh, you know the recognition but it really didn't change anything uh, in our relationship I mean he was just a, a great father and a role model and and whether he had a, a gold jacket or a blue jacket or whatever yeah. like I you know, he had a Levi jacket for a long time until he got a gold one um, you know he was just a, such a great dad and role model and try to emulate all that I learned from him and um, I miss him every day, and it's it's rough as those who have lost uh, fathers and mothers uh, can attest. It's it's a life changing deal. But um, I don't know that you know it didn't didn't really revolve around football. We happen to be associated with it, and that was cool and really neat. But uh, and I'm, I'm proud of him for all that he accomplished. But like I said, it 
uh, that, that was something he did, and, and uh, you know, the fruits of his labors were, were recognized, but when it comes down to it, he was, he was just my father. Give me an idea, those father-son trips with you and Josh and your dad. What kinds of things did you do as a kid? Oh, well, Josh was kind of like the complainer, you know, so <laughs> he, he would lead the charge in complaining about the distance of the trip or, or what was on the radio. Cause it's, I don't know, my dad wasn't like a huge Metallica fan, so if Josh would have the headphones on and <laughs> anyway, no, it was... <laughs> It was great. I mean, um, we had a lot of, I would say we, we weren't a big traveling group, um, so we didn't do a lot of family trips. I mean, I guess we'd kind of go to football games or, mm. you know, but we spent a lot of time in Junction City. There was not a lot of uh, luxury trips around the world. Uh, I don't think uh, my dad was not really into that. So, uh, but it was awesome. Um, you know, we had good times together and and some, some other moments that, you know, things would get a little heated, but uh, as it goes for siblings. Yeah, but you know, you have a dad that was, he showed up for you, didn't he? I mean, he was he there, sure, yeah. whether it was for school or whatever you were interested in, he was around. Yeah, that's the number one lesson that we got, is just you got to be involved in something, and when you're involved, you don't quit, and you give it your best effort. And, yeah, whether we were playing at Glide, you know, on a Thursday night in a JV basketball game, he would be there and uh, wouldn't say anything. He'd sit in the corner, but he was always there. So he, he showed up for us for sure. All right, Justin, I will see you at the stadium. I'm looking forward to seeing this game. I think it's going to be great. I think it'll be a really physical game and a fun game to see. And uh, I wish you the best. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. There he goes, Justin Wilcox. Dad's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He and his brother Josh played at Oregon. Justin now at Cal, where he has been for several years. Now, remember, he told us on Pac-12 Media Day that what was important this season for Cal football, do you guys remember what he said? He said, we got to win some games. Cal has won some games. They look better to me. They beat Arizona State last week, 24-21. They had a, uh, a really disappointing effort against Washington, but I think Washington's doing that to people. Gave up uh, a 50-burger there. But Cal's 3-2 and two this season. Probably should be 4-1. and one. They should have won the Auburn game. They're at home on the Pac-12 Network tomorrow, 7 o'clock, against number 15, Oregon State. I want you to leave it here. Some parting thoughts coming up. you got the bald-faced truth statewide. Well, I had a piece today at johnconzano.com that I want you to check out. If you're a subscriber, you got it in real time. You received it the minute I hit publish. It popped into your email inbox. You probably read it at your convenience. If you're not, you can go online to johnconzano.com and check it out. Uh, I think it's an important piece if you're a Pac-12 fan or somebody who cares about Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, or whoever. Uh, It is titled, The Truth Behind the Pac-12's Misfire. Now, we've talked a lot about the Pac-12 conference getting that offer of $30 million per school for its media rights uh, you know, uh, negotiations last fall. ESPN wanted to end the negotiation early. They wanted to do it without competition. So they they said $30 million per school will get it done, which actually ends up being a pretty fair number when you look at where everybody ended up, what Oregon got, what Washington got, what Colorado and Utah and everybody else are getting, and $30 million would have done it. And maybe they could have negotiated a little more had they come back more reasonably. But the Pac-12 conference counteroffer, as I've reported, was $50 million, which is kind of like going to a garage sale 
and walking up and seeing something that is, uh, you know, for sale for, uh, let's just say it's for sale for uh, $30 and you offer $5, the person's just going to roll their eyes. They're not even going to answer you. Say a little bit reverse negotiation there. Uh, but the Pac-12 and sources in the Pac-12 told me and told others that there was a lone president that was pushing for the $50 million valuation. Now, this weeks and weeks and weeks I heard this. And I have been chasing this like crazy, and I told you that I was going to get this, and I got it. I finally got the answer as to who that president was. And what right, in the what world can I do for you? That includes you. What happened to your phone? Okay. Why were you not where you were supposed to be? Let's figure that out first. I, 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 it had died. I. <laughs>